Women Today. Faster my good afternoon. This is Women Today on Manx Radio with me, Beth Espy. And this afternoon, it's a Conister Rock special where over the next hour, our guest is going to be sharing with us some memories and some favourite pieces of music. And what's really lovely about these programmes is that very often they give us an insight into a totally different time, often a time when the Isle of Man was in its heyday. And if some of the names and places mentioned are familiar to you, then we'd love you to get in touch. You can text 166177 or email studio at manxradio.com so let's meet our guest then george davison who was born in a small mining village in scotland in october 1928 one of uh, six children and george you were the fourth born uh, what do you remember about your early childhood years oh it was a marvelous time when i was younger things get worse i think the older you get uh i lived in a small mining village it was in Lanarkshire, and we were su- surrounded by mines, you know, coal mines. And uh, we, we, were, we were a very happy family. We might have been poor, because many of the time I was running up the street with my backside hanging out with somebody else's trousers. And uh, we, we, we survived. My mother was a marvellous person. She was a singer and was always singing. My mother was. My father was very quiet, and if he got sat in a chair with a, a cowboy book, he was happy. And maybe a pint of beer and a glass of whiskey at the, the weekend. He was also a coal miner. Well, yes, I was going to mention that, because I, I wonder what it was like for all of you, knowing that every day he was going into a, a really dangerous and often unpredictable place of work. Oh, he was what they called on the back shift. He was responsible with a few others for uh, shoring up the roof, you know, so the roof wouldn't come in them. And uh, he would come home many a time with quite a number of cuts in the top of his head where, where the bits of stone fell in the top of his head. Uh, but he, he was a marvellous man, my father, an Irishman. And I believe when he was younger, he went around with a, a wooden piece of wood and Irish danced. <laughs> I never seen him. <laughs> I've heard him sing uh, only when he had a, a little drop at the weekend, <laughs> which yeah, I think he deserved after his, his days down the mine. And when he came home, we had a tin bath. We had no hot water at all, so we had to, to heat the water. And we had one of these tin baths that sat in front of the fire. And we went out of the room while my father washed in this tin bath when he came home from the mines. <laughs> um, tell me what your school days were like, George. What were you like as a schoolboy? I was, I think, one of the terrors. Many of the time I got the whack over the, the, the knuckles with the, with the ruler. Or we had what we call a black belt that they held. And if it was just a, a minor sort of thing, you got one strap, you held your hands out and they gave you one strap. And if it was a, a very bad one, you held your hands out and you got two. <laughs> but I, I loved school. I mean, I, we had we had a smashing time when I was young. Yeah, the days have changed. I think I think we had more enjoyment uh, when we were younger. We we had the a river run from the mines, and of course the the silt was black, you know, coming through. And we had a dam built where we swam when the weather was decent and you would come out of the, the water with the, the big black rims up round the top of your face from the coal. <laughs> but at weekends, 
I think the miners, we, we had what we call gambling schools up around the back of the hill. The, the men seemed to waste their money on throwing up a couple of pennies and watching betting on heads or tails. And that was weekend work for them. Or the snooker hall. We played mostly snooker and, and pin at that time in the, the Miners' Welfare Hall. Well, you left school at 14. As you said, you lived in a mining village. And I'm, I'm guessing that it was expected almost that you went into that line of work. My mother never believed I should do, but that was where the, the money was. The money wasn't good, uh, and that was where the money was. So I uh, went with the rest of them into the mines and had employment on the surface where we sorted the coal. You know, there's no point in trying to explain it over here with how the machines went, but the coal came down on a conveyor belt. It was a system like that. And uh, we sorted the stones from the coal, and the coal went through into uh, wagons, big big coal wagons. Uh, it, it was good. Then I, I, I progressed, if that you call it that, the word, <laughs> from there to down the mines. And I, I was never really a, a great miner at all. I, I, she, my mother always said that uh, it's not for you, son. You're much too good for that. <laughs> so. Uh, I, I was a miner for quite a long time in this, it was called Benhar Colliery. Then I, I left there and went to another colliery which was overlooked by our house. We could see it from the window and uh, I went down that one. Now that was in sort of two sections. One section was under the reservoir where the water dripped on top of you all day and the other was was a dry one where you were breathing in the, the coal dust all the day. And I, I didn't particularly like the mines, but that's, as I said, where the money was. So I, I stayed there for two or three years anyway. Do you remember what your first wage was? About seven and six a week, I think. Gosh. My father was on sixpence a day. I don't know how many pennies that would be nowadays. Sixpence a day, that's what he got. And then mine was seven to six, which was handed over to my mother, who gave us pocket money. Well, George, the aim of these programmes is to hear some of your memories and also some of your favourite pieces of music. So we're mm. going to turn to your first uh, piece now. What have you chosen and why? Well, I chose uh, Passing By. And uh, the reason I took that one, because... I started to sing, and uh, I had to go to Edinburgh. My teacher was a bass singer who was late of the Covent Garden Opera Company, and I don't know where else he was. It's a lovely singer. And we went to Princess Street in Edinburgh, and you had to go up. It was a large, big store, and every room above the, the, the music shop was a practice room for other singers and you go up the stairs and singing was coming from all the rooms with all these Italians, you know, opera and, and so he taught me passing by and the charge was uh, 10 guineas for 10 lessons. Now what 10 guineas would be nowadays and I had to travel to Edinburgh to get him and that's where I started. And uh, he was an excellent teacher. He used to give us, uh, give me a couple of squares of chocolate. See, that, that's good for your breathing, George. I don't know that it ever was, but he said it was. There is a lady sweet and kind Was never face so pleased my mind 
by sung by John McCormick there and memories for George Davison of singing in Edinburgh with those little uh, square pieces of chocolate to keep your voice <laughs> do you still stand by that no 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 I make the chocolate now, funny enough, but I don't need it <laughs> we'll be talking more about that later and of course more about uh, your singing uh, a little bit later but um, we've just been hearing about your your early life in the world of work uh, down the coal mine which you very quickly realised wasn't for you uh, as your mother had suggested what was it that she said to you? You're too good, too good to be down the mines <laughs> So what did you decide to do then? Well I went and uh, there was a, a, a relation of mine who was actually said, let's go to Bangor Hospital and see if we can get a job, George. That was a big hospital about five miles away from where I lived. So we went along, and strangely enough, it was me that got the job. He didn't get a job. And had you ever <laughs> thought about a, a career in, in nursing or anything before that? Never at all, no, no. That was a sort of complete change and one of the marvellous changes in my life. I went on to a neurosurgical ward with a Professor Dot, who, in my opinion, was one of the best brain surgeons in Britain. Uh, I believe there is a ward in uh, one of the hospitals in Liverpool called the Dot Ward after him. And he was one of the nicest people I met. And that's where I started my career in nursing with a, a sergeant major for a sister. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days of nursing. Yes. Uh, we're going to be hearing more about that in just a moment, George, and also finding out how you came to be here in the Isle of Man. Uh, but you're listening to Women Today. It is 17 minutes past two now. The Nation Station. Lang's Radio. Women Today. It is 20 past two and we're on the Conister Rock this afternoon with George Davison and we've been hearing about his early life growing up in Lanarkshire, how he left school and followed his father into coal mining initially until his mother's words that he was too good to be down the mines rang true and it was then he found a job in nursing, first working in a neurosurgical unit with the professor who George says was uh, the best brain surgeon in Britain at the time. Um, I'm curious then, George, as to how you ended up here in the Isle of Man. How did that come about? Oh, an early man. I, I don't honestly know what brought me. My mother, yeah, my mother was again. <laughs> she said, there's the books on, and on every page there's something for you. So it must have been the Isle of Man for me. Uh, could I just say before that, that I, I joined a band when I was in Scotland, while I was nursing, and I played the flute in piccolo. And in 1949... I won the Piccolo Champion of Scotland, yeah. Uh, stupidly, I haven't played the Piccolo since. Not at I, all? I played it then really? until I came to the Isle of Man and I haven't played it since. I'm an idiot. <laughs> 
No, maybe you just reached the top and you thought there was nowhere else to go. Oh. <laughs> um, but, so uh, the, the, the Isle of Man, yeah. We just happened to see the advert. There's a friend and I in, in the hospital working together and we've seen the advert and we said, well, let's, re- let's apply to the Isle of Man and see if we get a job. And we did. We got a job over here and came over uh, 1951 to Nobles Hospital. And we came in one of these little planes, you know, a six-seater with a vacuum flask, (laughs) cup of tea and an outside toilet. uh, I loved the Isle of Man from the minute I stepped ashore uh, uh, off the plane. I loved the Isle of Man. And uh, we went to Nobles Hospital and their training school, funny enough, was up at uh, Marathon Court. We went to train up there in Marathon Court and well, Robert probably asked me anyway about Marathon Court because we bought it after that, my wife and I, and opened a nursing home. But uh, after that, I trained in Nobles and uh, got my registered uh, nursing certificate there. And from there, I stayed there a while. And then I went to Balamona and I took a registered mental course there and stayed there for five and a half years and finally, they let me out. <laughs> and I went back to Nobles again. And from there, onto a surgical ward with uh, Mr. Lamming. And probably everybody knows Mr. Lamming. He was known as the terror in the hospital, but I found him a marvellous man. He was good. And he and I got on excellent together. Then I was uh, promoted to charge nurse. And worked in Charlesness and that was that was marvellous, being able to look after people. There's nothing nicer, I think, than, than seeing somebody improve after they've been operated upon and then getting their clothes on and going home. I thought that was a, a marvellous thing for me. Uh, then we, my wife and I, opened a small nursing home at the top of Mona Street. We had no money. But we went, there was a, a lady called Chrissy Corkle. who used to have second-hand shops in, in Douglas. And uh, she had a house there. And let's have the house to open a nursing home in. And we run bed and breakfast and a nursing home up there in, uh, in Mona Street. Uh, oh, God, I've, I've done that much. I'm not trying to remember what I've done. <laughs> Well, let's take a break for your your third piece of music. Um, This is a a piece that you've chosen from La Boheme. What is it and why? La Boheme, Your Tiny Hand is Frozen, is one of my favourite opera pieces. And uh, it's, it's, I think, about one of the first records I ever bought. You know, the big old 78 records. I think I've still got it in the house. And it's a lovely song, a lovely aria, I should say, because they're arias from opera. Per fortuna è una notte di luce. 
Aspetti, signorina, le ti va con due parole. Chi sono? Chi sono? Che faccio come vivo? is frozen from La Boheme and uh, George has just been explaining the words to me there because that's the thing about opera isn't it you kind of um, for some people they struggle to get into opera because they they find Mm -hmm. it incredibly hard to understand Mm -hmm. but actually when you know what the words mean it's incredibly emotive well that's a lovely opera and a lovely aria as well when he meets this young lady and happened to be looking for money on the floor and he touches her hand, and that's where he says, your tiny hand is frozen, you know, who are you, where are you from? And he's a poet. Uh, it's one of my favourites, that one. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the lady that you met, and uh, you have re- mentioned uh, your wife several times, but uh, do you remember the first time you met Joan? We met in hospital. Joan was in nursing hospital as well. So I don't know... Uh, how I managed to meet her at all. It's fate, fate. We were just meant for each other, I think. We were talking uh, earlier this week on the programme about uh, the secret to happy marriage because this week uh, the Queen and Prince Philip are celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. You're not far behind. You've been married 65 years. 65. I think I think there, there is something to a, a, a long marriage. It's uh, plenty of fresh air, plenty of long walks on your own. And <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. They're all romantic there. (laughs) We have been together for over 65 years. Yeah, that's three life sentences anyway. I should say Joan is uh, sitting here in the studio. (laughs) She's Um, used to me. She thinks I'm an idiot. Um, But you you mentioned the the nursing home, so you were working together as well, you know, bringing up a family. Um, You have, I mean, as as I hope we will get on to, so many other things that you've been involved in. You won't. (laughs) No, I probably won't get into all of them. But um, I I just wonder, yeah, how do you keep that relationship going? How do you keep it so strong, strong enough to last 65 years? Yes, you won't argue. (laughs) That's what it is. We've had our ups and downs. Unfortunately, we lost two babies. We lost two girls, you know, and we've had our troubles the same as everybody else. But you've you've got to try and get over these things. And we have a lovely family at the moment, you know. In fact, too many of them. (laughs) We've got uh, two sons and... Yeah, I've got to ask my wife. (laughs) She's always telling me off because I don't remember her birthday. (laughs) Oh... (laughs) 
Um, but you have chosen a, a piece of music because it is a, a particular favourite of your wife's. What is it? Oh, it's Jim Reeves, this one. And uh, yeah, uh, I love you because, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's a nice one. I love you because you understand every single thing I try to do you're always there to lend a helping hand I love you most of all because you're you No matter what the world may say about me I know your love will always see me I love you for the way you never doubt me But most of all, I love you cause you're you. I love you because my heart is lighter. Every time I'm love you because Jim Reeves and George Davison playing that uh, for his wife Joan who is here in the studio and who hopefully will forgive you now for forgetting her birthday she won't (laughs) we'll be talking more um, with George in just a moment and finding out uh, about his singing and performing and uh, also hearing a very special track from the Regal Singers which he's been a member of for more than 50 years so do stay with us The Nation Station Manx Radio Women today. It is 25 to 3. We're on the Conister Rock with uh, George Davison this afternoon. And uh, Peter Kelly from the um, Victorian Society has been in touch to say that anyone who is considering going to Captain Steve Carter's talk tonight on steam on the farms and roads of man, uh, there is a slight change because unfortunately Steve has been called out at short notice to pilot a tanker out of Douglas Harbour when he was due to be giving that talk. So instead, Peter is going to be giving one of his very infrequent Victorian magic lantern slideshows. Uh, so it, there is 
something taking place at the same uh, same venue, St Ninian's High School, at 8pm tonight. And uh, non-members welcome at a charge of £1, which does include refreshments. Uh, and interestingly, Peter also uh, sends his regards to you, George, and says you once had a surgery in Onken and you were also a member of Onken Village Commissioners. Yes, I was, yes. I was uh, chairman of the bank, the park, sorry. That's when... Uh, Jack Niverson and Arnold Carlin and a few others were members of it. They were, they were tough, tough people to deal with. Uh, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was there for five and a half years. And unfortunately, uh, I had so much to do that I was called back. I, I did open the surgery in, in uh, Onken doing chiropractic because I took a chiropractic course as well. And this was alongside running, when you were talking about the nursing homes, was this a the similar time to that? Oh, I was still <laughs> still doing that as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and uh, uh, I love I love the commissioners. But then, when I was when I was doing the chiropractic, I was approached to come back to Nobles again to the hospital, and I went back again and uh, was promoted to nursing officer in Nobles. So until I uh, left Nobles, resigned. Well, I retired at that time, and uh, I was a nursing officer in the administrative side. And I, I, well, my life was in Nobles. I thoroughly enjoyed it, you know. I think I was there in nursing for over 40 years. So, so no regrets about going into that career? Not a bit, not a bit. I loved it. Now, we, um, you've hinted at uh, where your love of singing and performing uh, came from. I mean, you, you heard your dad occasionally um, when he'd had a, a tipple at the weekend, but your mum, you say, was was very much a singer and uh, you grew up around that. And performing um, has always been very important to you. You mentioned uh, being the piccolo champion, what, 1949 was it? Um, but you've also performed many times at the Villa Marina. So this was, a, this was your pastime then, was it? Oh, I, I've sung. Well, I sung when I was at school. I didn't think it was much good, but they they let me sing in school. <laughs> and uh, when I came after after being uh, taught singing in, in Edinburgh, I came here, and I went to Mavis Kelly. Mavis was a lovely singer herself, and she was a marvelous pianist. And Mavis then sent me to Emily Christian, and everybody knows Emily Christian. Emily was strict, but I loved Emily. She was really, really good. And uh, Emily said, look, I can't do any more with you, George. You better get over the road. And she made me go over to Dougie Buxton. And Dougie was also a marvellous man. He taught me the rest, and it was good. I've competed in the Guild for many years, uh, both in duets, quartets, and... Uh, on solos and I've won I won to get into the Cleveland medal but I never won it there was always somebody that little bit better than me and I accepted that that there was a, a nicer singer could woo the judges more than I could so I, I, I still sing I still sing with the Regal Singers you've been with them for over 50 years you were performing with them last night in fact we were, we were at the uh, the uh, St Andrews yes yes we were with the Stroke Club uh, they're a, they're a marvelous lot, you know. For to have so much wrong with them, you know, you you cried. I say I always say I cried because my feet were sore, and then I saw a man with no legs, and uh, I think that that's how we should look life, you know. Well, singing, always somebody was than ourselves. Singing with the Regal Singers is is still then what you do to relax. They're um, a family. Sorry, the, the Regal Singers are a family. We're we're. 
depleted, becoming depleted, because we're all getting old. I'm the oldest one in the choir. <laughs> but uh, we still sing, and we still entertain lots of places, in the nursing homes and uh, charities. We, we give so much money to charity, and I, I thoroughly enjoy the Regal Singers as well. Well, let's um, hear your fourth piece of music, which is a duet um, of you singing. Who are you singing with? Oh, Arthur Cowley and I. Arthur have sung for many years duets. I think we've got at least 12 duets we sing together, mostly the Scottish duets because we, we both like a bit of fun, you know. We, we love to be funny and make people laugh. There's nothing nicer, I think, than making people laugh. Uh, this one is called Perhaps Love, yeah. Perhaps love is like a resting place, a shelter from the storm. It exists to give you comfort, it is there to keep you warm. And in those times of trouble, when you are most alone, the memory of love will bring you home. Perhaps love is like a window, perhaps an open door. It invites you to come closer, it wants to show you more. And even if you lose yourself and don't know what to do, the memory of love will see you through. Oh, love to some is like a cloud, to some a strong steel. For some a way of living, for some a way to feel. And some say love is holding on, and some say letting go. And some say love is everything. Some say they don't know. Perhaps love is like the ocean, full of conflict, full of pain. Like a fire when it's cold outside, thunder when it rains. If I should live forever, and all my dreams come true, my memories of love will be of you. Some say love is holding on, and some say letting go. Some say love is everything, some say they don't know. Perhaps love is like the ocean, full of conflict, full of pain. Like a fire when it's cold outside, thunder when it rains. If I should live forever, and all my dreams come true, my memories of love will be of you. My memories of love will be of you. 
George Davison, Arthur Cowley singing Perhaps Love. Uh, you were singing along with that, uh, George, still one of your favourites, even though you've performed it many, many times. Mm. Well, that, that's one of my... It's a lovely song. Yeah, it's a lovely duet as well. I I'm, I like fun. I like the, the Scottish ones. They're, they're always good. You're Sandy and Andy and Wachlan Haim. <laughs> they, they're, they're some of our favourites as well. You know. Because you've never forgotten your Scottish roots. You've clearly kept your accent, despite oh. having been uh, on the island for many, many years. Uh, you've been president of the Caledonian Society. But I think it would be fair to say you are immensely proud of the Isle of Man. And I was reading a newspaper mm. article um, about you being an ambassador for the island. And it's saying that you and your wife, Joan, uh, are one of the, the few more dedicated and successful private ambassadors for the island. And it talked about two promotional trips that you actually made to the USA. Um, what made you want to do that? What was that all about? Well, I, I was doing a spot in the, uh, was it wasn't the gaiety it was, and uh, afterwards this lady appeared in Peel and she said, I was at the concert last night and it was lovely. Would you like to come to America and be the guest of the American Mind Society and uh, could sing there? And my wife and I went and uh, we sung, in, uh, well, she didn't sing, I sang in different places. And I, I love the American people, they're marvellous people. And uh, we, they took us all round and we were in the Amish country. I think that's a, that's a gorgeous place to be, these Amish people. And it took us to a restaurant where we had soup in the loaf. I don't know if you ever heard of soup in the loaf. <laughs> they scooped the inside of the loaf. It's a round sort of loaf. And they scooped the inside out of it and put it on the plate and put the soup in the, the loaf. It's marvellous, yeah. And the, the food was so cheap, you know. The, the first course was enough for you. And then we got invited back again. And we were met, of course, at the uh, the airport with the uh, Caledonia Society there, the Americans, and they they we they took us to the Caledonia Ball there as well. So, uh, I mean, that that really pleasant memories these. And then they asked us to come back a third time. I don't think we had the time; we were far too busy. <laughs> but well, it, it was good. I would do it again. Well, you know, George, um, before we came and. Um, into the studio, you were saying that you have lived the equivalent of four lives. There is so much that you have been involved in. We really only scratched the surface, but we can't talk uh, to George Davison without mentioning ice cream. Are you a whippy <laughs> fan? <laughs> ice cream. Well, this I retired, believe it or not. I don't know why I retired, because I haven't been retired since. I work every day. And my son, who he wanted to get a, a shop, so we bought the shop in Peel, which was a sweet shop, and uh, we started to get chocolates in. And he said, look, I can make the chocolates just as easy as we can buy them in. So he dragged me off to London to, I think it was Gulliver's, who were chocolate makers, and we took a course in chocolate making, both of us. And when we came back in the plane, we had big boxes of chocolate seats that we had made. And we moved from, it was only a small shop we had with a big window where the people could come and look. And uh, we progressed from there because it was too far too small for us. So we had a big piece of ground alongside the house we had in Peel. And we built a factory there. And uh, we had the factory going and we'd done the chocolates there. And then we decided to introduce ice cream. He said, look, we can make ice cream. We we can make chocolates and ice cream as well. So we brought two Italians over to show us how to make ice cream. And from there on, 
they didn't they couldn't teach us much. You have to do the ice cream yourself and, and make mistakes yourself, and we did that. And the place we had was far too small again, so we bought a place in the fish yards, and we've been there ever since. And we we do the three famous three legs of man joke. We used to put them on the Manx Plains. I remember. It, yeah, yeah, you get them in a little packet in the Manx Plains. We've done thousands that went on the plains. And then I don't know what time, I think they run out of money like everybody else. But we, we progressed and we do a, a good ice cream. I say it's a good ice cream. I would give it to children because I know what's in it. I don't know what's in some of the rest. And I, I don't really eat that much of the rest, but uh, I know else it's a good ice cream. But you still, you're still actively working in, oh, in doing that. I go down. Well, I don't know what I would do with myself if I wasn't doing that. I go down and uh, do the accounts for the Castle. We we're known for for strange reasons. We were called Castle Bay Seafoods, and we only kept that name because it, it was handy for. Uh, that purposes, you know. So we kept the name and uh, with Castle Bay Seafoods, but I go down every day and do the accounts for Castle Bay Seafoods. And then we, we no, I won't tell you, we've got another two or companies here. <laughs> <laughs> we probably won't mention that. Um, I mean, George, as I say, I did say we've only scratched the surface. There's so much that you have uh, been involved in. Football has been a, a big part of your life as well. I love Braddon Football Club. When I was in Balamora, I went to Braddon Football Club. I played a couple of I'm hopeless. I would, I would never play football. I couldn't. I was hopeless. <laughs> And uh, then I progressed. I was treasurer for Braddon. And then uh, I was president. And I still look the paper to see how Braddon are doing, you know. Yeah. I think they're pity, but they're a good club. They, they were good at that time. And and we have talked a, a fair bit about your nursing career. And, and something that we, we didn't actually mention was that uh, in the 1980s, you were actually an HIV specialist at a time when HIV was something that was terrifying people, those adverts which were really, you know, just startling. Um, what what made you go down that route? Well, we put an advert up in the hospital for somebody to go on a course for uh, HIV and we didn't get any replies from them. Nobody wanted to go. So they asked me and I, I said, yes, I'll go. And of course, I went to London and uh, universities to to find out about HIV. And I was at St George's Hospital in London, and we had a uh, a ward there with twenty eight patients with HIV in it. Uh, it, it was a, a great experience. I learned a, a, quite an awful lot about HIV at that particular time. And people, I think, were more frightened. And people didn't even some members of the House of Keys didn't even believe that we had HIV or had people that, who would get HIV. And when I came back, I, I went as everywhere I could get to teach people and pass my knowledge on to the people about uh, HIV. And we still have it. We, although it's treatable, it's, it's not really treatable at the moment, but they can control it at the moment. It's still there. And I hope that people will listen when they're told about it. You know. Well, George, it has been wonderful talking to you this afternoon, hearing some of your memories. And I, I just want to, to end really very briefly with uh, some of your memories of first coming over to the Isle of Man, which was an incredibly different pe- place uh, when you first came over here. I mean, you talk about uh, all the, the shows that were up here on Douglas Head and, and seeing a, a real vibrant place, the island that was. 
Oh, it was full of people. Yeah, yes, the the Douglas Promenade was full of people, and Feldman's Music Place was full, and there was the Rock Maker in Strand Street as well. Used to go and watch them making the rock, and then go to Feldman's for a sing song, uh, and Douglas Beach was packed. It was there was deck chairs all over the place there at that time. You could get it, and. Uh, Douglas Head was, was one of the places as well. Many of the time we come up here and right round to uh, Port Soderick because Port Soderick was thriving at that time. And uh, a friend of mine had one of the last boats that took the passengers round to Port Soderick. Peter Veal, his name was, and Peter had this boat, boat that took them round. But we come up here many of the time and been up at this little place up here uh, watching the shows. It was really, really good. Well, wonderful memories, George. Thank you so much for sharing them with us. Uh, we're going to, to finish with the final piece of music that you've chosen. What is it and why? Uh, the, one, the last one you want is, there's so many pieces. For, the Miserables is one of the, I think, one of the best shows I have ever seen. And uh, the music from The Miserables is excellent. And On My Own is, is one that I love. Uh, one of the songs on my own is gorgeous. Wonderful. George Davison, thank you so, so much for being with us this afternoon. And to finish, here is On My Own, performed by Samantha Barks. On my own Pretending he's beside me All alone I walk with him till morning Without him I feel his arms around me And when I lose my way I close my eyes And he has found me In the rain The pavement shines like silver All the lights are misty in the river In the darkness the trees are full of starlight And all I see is him and me forever and forever And I know it's only in my mind that I'm talking to myself and not to him. And although I know that he is blind, still I say there's a way for us. I love him, but when the night is over, he is gone. The river's just a river. Without him, the world around me changes. The trees are barren everywhere, the streets are full of strangers. I love him, but every day I. Go on.
in today.